Good morning. Good morning. Hi, everybody. How's everyone doing? Or it's good morning here. It's good afternoon, perhaps, in uh, East Coast and in Europe. Um, my name is uh, Casey Lau, and I'm coming to you live from San Francisco. This is the new Next Stage Live session powered by Collision, North America's fastest growing tech conference, where we're looking to welcome over 40,000 attendees and more than 2,000 startups in Toronto this June 26th to the 29th. I am here in San Francisco, though, right now, gearing up for a big AI pitch night to promote Collision in the Bay Area with our friends at Race Capital on June the 1st, where we're welcoming everyone to either join or pitch. And we'll all have some absolutely delicious chicken wings at Shack 15. So you can check my Twitter account for registration details. It's there on my profile there. So this is a startup show. We're going to delve into the inner workings of tech companies. And with Web3 still a bit of an enigma, I wanted to continue to look inside Web3 companies and see how they get built and where they're going. I'll link to our past episodes with the CEOs of Animoca Brands, Gamey, Tezos, and more in the comments. But today, our guest on the next stage session is Pascal Gauthier, the CEO of Ledger, the de facto hardware device, also known as a cold wallet for storing cryptocurrency. Ledger is valued at 1.3 billion euros or around 1.4 billion US dollars. And with a new round of funding, they are ready to grow into the next bull market. Ledger is based in France, and there are a million things happening at Ledger right now, I'm sure, if you read the news, which we're going to dive into. But we're super happy to have Pascal spend some time with us. Welcome, Pascal. Thank you for having me. Great. Awesome. So this is a startup show, and we're going to bring on some Web3 startups to kind of ask you questions a little bit later. But you, as the viewer here now, and you're, we're streaming this across multiple platforms from Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, who knows? I think it's on Twitch and Snapchat as well. But please feel free to post your questions while, wherever you're watching, and we'll pick up the best questions towards the end of the show. So, uh, Pascal, maybe a lot of people know Ledger and know who you are, but I want to know, how did you have an advertising and tech background? Uh, how did you get on board into Web3? Like, how did this all start for you? Well, I think, you know, first of all, I got on board into Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin. And I was in 2014 uh, after Credio, which was my last uh, advertising company that we introduced at the Nasdaq in 2013. I was working with Index Ventures in London as an entrepreneur in residence, and I was just sort of sitting with them and looking at their, their deal flow. And, you know, the word Bitcoin started to, you know, sort of pop around. And I got intrigued and uh, I met with a guy called Wences Cesares, who's uh, a very famous entrepreneur uh, in the U.S. And he, he had started and, and raised a lot of money for his company, Zappo, and he pitched me Bitcoin in five minutes. And he hit me, you know, I thought that would be the next revolution. Internet was a revolution of, you know, transfer of information, and this was going to be the revolution in terms of transfer of value. And it's true that if you think about the Internet, everything works fine uh, up until the point where you need to bring out your credit card and try to buy something online. And so, you know, to imagine that there could be these new rails to transfer value, you know, seemed that, uh, like an obvious idea to me. And so from, from, from then and there, I decided to spend, you know, sort of time, money, energy uh, into this space. Yeah, great. Okay, let's roll the, Let's roll a little commercial here to show everybody what Ledger is all about. Some say that technology is getting too complex. That personal data can't be protected. Some say that the only safe place is home. That cryptocurrencies 
aren't safe. We at Ledger believe that your data should be safe everywhere you go. That security can coexist with simplicity. We believe that your assets should be in good hands. Yours. Ledger Nano X. Keep your crypto secure everywhere. I love watching those kind of commercials. Here's mine. I just got this recently. I'm a holder of the uh, Dead Fellas NFT. And I didn't want just a normal one, Pascal. Yeah, I wanted, didn't want the silver one. I want this fancy green one that looks really cool. It's transparent. It cool. is, it's not my first ledger, but it's definitely the one I'm going to be carrying around and showing off to people. So I think, uh, you know, when I see this, I, when I first saw it, I thought, hey, it's a USB drive, right? How do you explain what Ledger does and what the device does to a non-Web3 person? Um. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the, the way that I, I would explain it to someone who's not into crypto at all is to say that you have secrets that are online, uh, even if you don't use crypto. You have passwords, you have your identity, you have a bunch of these secrets that are online. And you are aware as a user that there are a lot of people that are trying to take those secrets from you. And everybody is aware of, you know, hacking and and cyber threats and cybersecurity, and everybody knows and feels that you know it's just getting worse uh, as as we go, and it is. Um, you know, hackers are more agile. There are big companies that are whose only and, and I mean it like there are big companies whose only job is to hack uh, other people or the companies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There was a group that was exposed uh, when the uh, Russia-Ukraine war started. It was a group with Russian and Ukrainian hackers, and so. They expose each other. The group had 2,500 people on payroll and 10,000 auxiliaries. And that's sort of one group. And so the magnitude of what's happening online in terms of cyber attacks and hacking is, is just growing exponentially. And so, you know, people, uh, the, the average person, you know, knows this and feels this. And so simply the way to, to put this is, you know, this is a device to protect your secrets. And whether your secrets are sort of uh, web two basic online secrets. This can already protect your passwords. This can protect your, this can act as a two FA. But if your secrets now are cryptocurrency secrets, uh, then they, they need really, they, re they need real protection because your phone and your computer were not designed to protect secrets. And especially they were not designed to protect those kind of secrets where if I take your Bitcoin private keys, your bitcoins are gone. You know there is no one that you can call. There is no callback button, and so yeah. these these are the most critical secrets uh, that you have to protect. And so, if you have secrets, you will need this in the future. And if if you have online secrets, you will need this in the future. And if you have crypto secrets, you definitely need need this. Yeah, and I think uh, I think we all know like this past November with the big collapse of FTX. I think that was a big. Uh, uh, part of it, right? I mean, a lot of people are paid uh, who work in Web3 were paid crypto um, and just held their cryptocurrency on, on an exchange like FTX. And when that disappears, so there's all their money, right? So having a cold wallet was like a big push that did you see an uptick in, in sales at that point? No, for sure. I mean, you know, it was the, the best uh, day ever for Ledger, best week ever for Ledger, best months ever for Ledger. Uh, there was a realization that uh, 
it's, it's not so much in terms of, uh, I mean, FTX collapse, but if you, if you want to leave your, your money on an exchange, it's not so much a problem. Like, you know, there is a relative trust that you can have with the exchange. You know, it's not, it's, it's not zero or a hundred. Like, you know, uh, it depends who you work with. You know, you can probably trust Coinbase more than you can trust, like, you know, a, a different exchange that would be less, that, that wouldn't be a public exchange, for example. Uh, Coinbase is a publicly listed company. They have a great reputation. So there is a certain amount of trust that you can do with Coinbase. But it's more the realization that, you know, if you have your keys, then your coins are really yours. And uh, there is this idea with Bitcoin that it's, it's about decentralization. You know, Bitcoin is a peer-to-peer -peer, uh, payment network, okay? And so what it means is it, the, the true revolution is that you can actually do an, uh, a digital transaction. You can actually have a digital cash with no intermediaries. That's the revolution. So why would you want to bring back intermediaries? Uh, the, the thing when you own your private keys is that you really own your money and then, you, then you're free to do whatever you want with it. You know, I think it's the, it's the fundamental freedom of, uh, of you know, property right and ownership uh, yeah. that, that you have with your, with your ledger. Yeah, I agree. And, and the thing is, surprisingly, the pricing is, is quite um, easy to get into. So a lot of startups do ask, um, like, how do they price their product if it's a hardware device or so a software as a service? That's always a, a big question. You have models of different models of ledgers ranging from $79 to the stacks, which looks very cool, which is $279. How important is pricing, do you think, to gaining traction for a product like yours? Well, it's a, it's a great question. Honestly, the answer could be, uh, you know, sort of like a masterclass that, that I probably wouldn't be able to give you anyways on like, you know, how to price products and how to price consumer electronics. It's, uh, you know, the stacks that you mentioned, we designed it and, you know, we created it with Tony Fadell, who was the inventor of the iPod, the, the CEO of Nest and, you know, like a, a legend when it comes to designing consumer electronic products. And we've had like numerous discussions on, you know, pricing, margins, et cetera. You know, I don't think there is uh, there is necessarily an absolute truth in in how you do things. It really depends uh, on the market. It really depends, you know, what you know what is the hardware uh, sort of good for? Like, you know, are you going to sell something else because the people have of the hardware? Um, I think what we went for at Ledger is the good, better, best uh, strategy. And, and and by the way, we we don't invent anything. Uh, I mean, we we do invent some things, but in terms of pricing and and go to market strategy and designing. Hardware, we just uh, very humbly look at Apple, and you know we try to to replicate some of the stuff that they've done, which is which is, which is super inter interesting. So the good, better, best strategy is an Apple strategy, and this is what you have. You have your Nano, Nano S Plus, uh, which is a great product. You know, it does what it's supposed to do, uh, and it's the uh, the entry uh, in the in the market. You have the Nano X, which is uh, you, you just presented the advertising that we did like years ago. Like you took me back like years oh, wow. ago. Yeah, that was that was 2018, I think. Um, uh, if I had to do this advertising, I would say it completely differently. But anyways, uh, uh, that's uh, that's connectivity, so you can carry it with you. And you know, the stacks is like the the the, the new one. We we think we're gonna ship it soon now, and uh, and really we we we're going for the ease of use. Like you know, this is this is the thing that we're trying to say in the advertising, and this is what we've been working on for the past four years. Is like. How do you make this uh, always as secure, but also easier to use? Because to your question on people that are not in crypto, it's like, why would they come to crypto? Uh, 
you know, you can buy and hold and that's okay. But, you know, not everyone has uh, invested in the stock market either. Like, you know, it is just a speculative asset. You know, yep. I don't think this is the, the, the revolution that we're all talking about. I think the re revolution that we're talking about comes with usage. You know, what is the utility of this? And, and in the end, you're going to have to be able to use crypto where suddenly you go like, well, actually, I'd like to do my transaction with Lightning or with Bitcoin because it's easier, faster and cheaper than if I do it with my credit card. I think, yeah. you know, once you reach that, you, you reach sort of mass market. But in order to reach that, you need to design products that are very secure and easy to use because there's no way that you're going to be able to do self-custody on, on, on your current phone. And so I think, you know, Ledger is working on security technologies that will be able to power consumer electronics, consumer electronics that will then be sort of secure enough to protect the private keys and then engage with the different blockchains. This is what yeah. we're working on. Very good. So um, besides those price points, you know, these kind of collaborations, I've seen you do a lot more. You're treating it kind of like a sneaker, right? There's like all these kind of cool crossovers. So there's more graphic stuff. How important do you think this is to marketing it to a different audience or marketing to a wider audience? Basically, well, you know, on one coming out soon. <laughs> no, but, you know, um, there is no such thing as the crypto community. Uh, there are crypto communities. And, you know, I think there's a bit of a guerrilla marketing to go to each and every community and, you know, try to design the experience that they're, uh, that they're waiting for. And so um, that's, that's number one. Number two, you know, uh, culture is always a way to punch above its weight, you know. Uh, and so the combination of the two tells you why, like we're doing all these collabs, like, you know, there are some communities that are extremely influential. Uh, they want their own device, but equally, you know, it also triggers other communities to think about security, uh, right. and do the same. The, the reality of what we do is, you know, we're not here to, I mean, of course we are for profit company and, you know, selling product is how the company, uh, stays in existence, but we're, our mission is really to. Uh, to secure and make easy to use, you know, cryptocurrencies for sort of everyone. Uh, yeah. and, and beyond cryptocurrencies is something that we call critical digital assets. So think about in the future, uh, you know, I said it like your passwords, your uh, using Ledger as a strong 2FA, your identity and everything that's going to be tokenized in the future, your security tokens and your NFTs and, and so right. on and so forth. And so really that's what we're aiming at. Yeah. Um, I, the other thing I liked about this uh, collaboration is that there was a whole website created with like a class of how to learn more about, you know, your keys and your digital privacy and stuff like that. So I feel like it's all works together in, in tandem, which is very exciting. Now, the, the commercial that we showed before, you said it was for 2018. So at 2018, you had a lot of competitors out there as well also doing it. But you guys have definitely moved to the front of the line as the one that everybody uh, refers to when they're talking about having this cold wallet. Um, at this at early stage, you know, what did you think about the competitors that were around you? How did you like move ahead of them? Um, and what do you think was the one trigger that kind of shot you forward ahead of everybody else? Well, for, first of all, you know, we love to have competition because we, if there is no competition, there is no market. So, you know, for us, uh, it was uh, always a, a very healthy emulation. Like, you know, you, you, you want healthy competition. Uh, and this is really what we got. And at the beginning, everybody was focused on security because, you know, of course, it's the name of the game. And so everybody was focused on security. And most of the teams were engineering teams. Uh, and so they were trying to solve, you know, uh, engineering problems but after a while you realize that you know um 
at Ledger, we have a very, very strong security model. And so, you know, once you have that, you, you're thinking, okay, but what's next? And, and also you can hear what your customers are asking. Like, so they're like, well, you know, uh, Ledger is nice, but, you know, I, uh, an exchange is easier to use. And, and also I don't trust myself with 24 words. I mean, you know, there are several things like that, that, you know, sort of always come back. And so I think what we did again is to get an inspiration from Apple. And, you know, instead of developing technology, we are, we, we reverse it and, and we thought about like now developing product. You, know, you think about the product and the experience and that sort of drives everything else. It's not technology first. Technology is a slave to product and experience. Uh, it's, it's a hard shift. It's been a very hard shift. I, I think this is what made us successful, uh, but also it's been a very hard shift for the company. It's a shift, a shift that is not over. There is always a tension between product and experience yeah. and technology. Um, uh, you know, if you document yourself on Apple and you read that, that book, you know, named Steve Jobs, like, you know, it, it's all over it. Like, you know, it's like, you know, Steve Jobs saying like, oh, I want the product to do this. And, you know, the, the tech guy saying, well, it's impossible. And yeah. Steve Jobs saying, well, I don't care, do it. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's really like that. Like, you know, we have, with Stacks, we have exactly the same tension internally. Uh, you know, it's Tony who says like, I, I want an e-ink curve screen. Like, first time in the world. Nobody has never done that before. And the team pushes back and say, no, it's not possible. It's hard. Like, we should take a screen that already exists. And Tony says, no, like, we're going to do the e-ink curve screen. Um, and I think that when stacks, and so, of course, there is a risk. And, of course, you know, this is why we're suffering some delays because it's very hard to do. Like, it's the first time that a company ever does that in the world. But I think the, the reward is uh, all the more greater uh, going forward. Like, you know, if you pull it off, then you come out with a product where, where the desirability is very high. It's a, it's a world first in terms of everything. Honestly, I think there are people that will buy Ledger Stacks even if they don't use it just to play with it and to play with the magnets. Like, you know, you have to, you have to see uh, Tony at work. Like it's, uh, it's, a, it's a pure genius. But anyway, so these tensions exist. And so we shift to product first. And also, you know, when, when Tony uh, joined, he's like, and we were telling him like, well, we have a great B2C business. And Tony looks at us and like, no, 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 no. You have a B2G business. And you want to do B2C. And it's like, what's B2G? It's like, you have a business to geeks business. And now you <laughs> want to make it business to consumer. That's right. And le yeah. let, me, let me tell you something before Twitter explodes. Like, you know, we love business to geeks. I think it's great. And, you know, we, we always have like that dual functionality. We need to cater to the geeks because they are the one pushing the roadmaps. They are the one giving us the good advice, et cetera. And this is sort of what happened very recently. And so... You know, we we want to work on great developer tools and, and and build like you know really a platform for developers. So you know, don't get me wrong. Like, it's not because you want to open to consumer that you forget that uh, you you need also to cater to to your business to to geeks. And uh, you know, at Ledger, we are all geeks. So you know, there is no uh, it's not a pejorative term in our in our in the way that we think about it. Um, but all, but equally, like, you know, if you only cater to to the geeks, then the, the space will stay very small. And you're not right. really doing what you're supposed to do. The mission and the vision is to bring security needs of use to everyone on the planet, like and to every, whether it's a consumer or a financial institution slash enterprise, etc. And so yeah. we have to think about how do you how do we design the next generation of product and services so we can onboard hundreds of millions of users into this. Right now we sell six million wallets total. If you take all the other wallet manufacturers, maybe you get to eight, nine, ten, I don't know, but but sub 10 for sure. And there are 450 million users that, that have crypto today. And all of these guys are on exchanges or on software wallets. And we believe that, you know, self-custody and, and a hardware wallet is better in terms of security, is better in terms of freedom, 
is better in terms of sort of many things. And so our job is to design a product that is that is simple enough so the mass can adopt it. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna I wrote down BTG. I love that. Never heard that before. But I definitely think that is your super early adopter, especially for something in crypto. That's amazing. Um, okay, so now that you've talked all about this, this is another place I want to go to. So I'm sure you've heard Apple is also going to release this new XR helmet, right? This new XR device of some sort, right? And it is for developers, they said, right? It's going to be very expensive. They want developers learning on it. So that's a super B2G type of concept. But what do you see now? Um, you know, I'm sure you're reading about this, you're reading about AI, you see all this stuff. Do you see a ledger in the future getting more sophisticated or, or is it going to be bigger or will it be a component of our smartphone or into like an XR headset, right? The ledger stack seems to be the high version. It's got e-ink, it's got graphics, it's UI. It looks more friendly, like you were saying. That's what obviously Tony is mentioning, right? They want it to be more, you know, people like get it. It's like a smartphone. You push the buttons, you see the different cryptocurrency easier. Um, but where do you see this? I mean, without, you know, talking too much about your own internal plans, but, you know, what is what does it look like in 12 months like this market? Because it must be it's moving so fast. I can tell you everything. Um, look, you know, Apple always has like very powerful moves. And so, you know, I think what was B2G needs to evolve into a developer's platform. You know, I think, and this is what we're working on, you know, open source developer's platform, et cetera, make sure that developers can actually, you know, make Ledger uh, sort of theirs and start coding on top of it. I think this is, this is, this is where we're going. Uh, and, uh, and this is how we'll make sure that, the developers community is really around Ledger and really help us, you know, push the roadmap, develop the products, etc. It's already the case, by the way. So it's, it's not something that we'll do in the future. Ledger is already an open platform. We have most of the apps that are developed on top of Ledger have been developed by third-party developers, uh, and so okay. we are moving there. We're just gonna do. We're just gonna do more. And so this is to sort of wrap up the discussion on like, you know, sort of what is B2G. B2G is you know developer tools, developer platform, and developers to code on top of Ledger. When it comes to the future of uh, of security, you know it's uh, it's it's a, it's a real question for everyone. You know, not just for Ledger. I think um, the way that security was designed before is like uh, it's breach, let's patch it. And so, how many times have you patched your different operating system, your Chrome, your Firefox, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? The reason uh, was that security at the beginning was not a real concern, and you know, even today, like you know, people when it, when they think about the security of their laptop. Okay, maybe you're gonna get. I mean, it's annoying, but it's not one or zero type of situation. Uh, with Bitcoin, crypto, and everything going on a public blockchain, you know, these sort of changes, and so everyone has to has, has to ask themselves, like, okay, how do I? And phone manufacturers will have to wonder, like, how do they secure their phone or and, and computers, like, sort of more uh, than what it is today. Um, so for us, there is a clear roadmap in terms of designing devices that are ever more powerful. The stacks, uh, we called it the iPod moment of the space. We believe that this is a product that will be similar to what the iPod was for music. Uh, and if you think of the way the stack works, you know, you had your iPod and iTunes, and now you have your stacks and Ledger Live. And so Ledger yeah. Live is your software companion app that, worked, that works with your Ledger stacks that you download on your phone or computer. And so I think this is this is that moment, and and then you know the movie, you know there's your iPod Touch, and then you know there is the the iPhone, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so right. you know the way that we think about this uh, is that, but the the difference is uh, at the time everybody was listening, everybody listens to music, and everybody was making phone calls. Uh, the thing with crypto 
is that a lot of people uh, are not doing crypto today. So there is the market has to form. We're much early. It's like we're trying to develop the iPod when uh, in 1995 or something like that. You know, when digital when digital music doesn't really exist. Yeah. Um, and so uh, there, the, 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 so so the way that we think about this is. Okay, but then what are the assets that you really want to, to be secure and what's coming? And so identity is really the one that is on top of our roadmap. And also with crypto, at some point, you will need to have your uh, identity alongside your crypto for many things. You know, there are rules that are coming in Europe with Mika and there are rules that are coming in the US. Like if you want to send your crypto from self-custody to an exchange, you're going to have to prove at some point that your crypto are, are, are yours. Right. I'd like to flag that everything that we do, like we don't do anything. Everything that we develop is always under the control of the user and only the user can decide to trigger a functionality or another. Most all functionalities that are on your ledger are completely optional. Uh, they don't add another threat vector. So the security never changes and whatever security we add today and or in the future is only a security that you only can trigger as a, as a user. Like the, the, the ledger is really a slave to its master in terms of uh, the way it works. And so if you don't do your pin code and if you don't press the two buttons, the ledger cannot do anything. So it's yeah. only under your supervision, your control, and these are your keys, these are your coins. And this, is, this will be your identity, but you will be able to do whatever you want to do with it. And if you don't want to use some of the functionalities, you don't have to. And if you just want to do Bitcoin with this, uh, you can just do Bitcoin with this. It's fine. Yeah. Amazing. Um, before we went live just now, you mentioned you were in Geneva uh, and you work between Geneva and Paris. And you're, you're saying the crypto uh, regulations are getting more exciting there uh, as opposed to U.S. Are you following what's happening in Hong Kong right now? Yeah, Hong Kong, Dubai, I mean, you know, everywhere regulation is, uh, is moving. And, you know, you have uh, regions are, uh, are trying to appeal to businesses and, and, and companies. You know, it's a competition, right? So. If the U.S. says no, Hong Kong says, "Hey, we are open," uh, and, and Dubai say, "Come, come along." And Paris actually uh, has uh, has welcomed like a lot of businesses recently, uh, uh, Binance, did, Circle, etc. Hmm. How do those government policies? I mean, you obviously can't foresee what's going to happen in government policy, but you, since you're like a Web three company, you have to shift movements really quickly. Like when something like Hong Kong opens up for crypto, um, and then there's going to be a huge demand for ledger products. Does that mean you open an office or a physical store there, or do you go to Dubai and do something like? How do you guys look at the roadmap when this is such an exciting space? And by making first mover advantage into these cities that are opening up, these countries that are opening up, do you think about that, or are you still just looking at it from from you know from everywhere instead of just specific places? Well, we're talking about two businesses here. So the, the retail business actually is a is an e-commerce and uh, and marketplace business. So think you know Ledger.com, Amazon.com, Best Buy, and you know sort of distribution everywhere in the world. So as a as a retail users uh, re retail user, we we actually ship products in all of the countries that exist in the world. There's not one single country where we didn't ship a product. And so Hong Kong, Dubai, etc. these are already markets for us. We've been shipping products in these markets for uh, since, since Ledger exists, etc. So regulation doesn't change anything, especially that self-custody is always like sort of outside of regulation. Regulation will hardly touch self-custody because self-custody is a fundamental human right. Like, you know, you are allowed to have... Uh, uh this thing with you at home you know it's it's okay yeah. and and self-custody is this you know people always associate self-custody with money but again think about if you have your passwords can you self-custody your passwords sure 
You know, can you mm. self-custody your identity? Of course, it's your identity. And yeah. so similarly, can you keep some cash at home? Yeah, there is no law against that. Uh, and so can you keep some Bitcoin at home? For sure. Um, and so uh, now when these regulations come, it's usually for financial institutions and, 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 and enterprise, like, you know, larger businesses. Uh, these are the businesses that are attracted by, by regulatory frameworks that are clear and give them clear guidances in terms of how they can operate the business. Uh, and obey the law. And so, you know, this is very appealing. I think for centralized businesses, what they want is uh, clarity in terms of regulation so they can operate uh, their business in good faith. And, uh, and what you see is, uh, is that's what's happening right now. It's like regulators understand that and they also understand that it's an opportunity for business in their country. So they propose a regulatory framework and then that attracts a bunch of businesses. Yeah. Amazing. Um, you know, speaking of Hong Kong, I just wanted to bring up, I have a good friend, uh, Ray Chan, who's the CEO of Memeland. It's like a huge NFT uh, collection uh, pro project over there. I told him I'm talking to you today and he wanted me to make sure that you knew that um, if you check Etherscan, he is the number one owner of the most ledger market passes. He has like a hundred of them, which I was surprised <laughs> at, right? So I will definitely want to want you to say hi to him. But uh I want to know, like, this is very interesting, right? You you give out these NFTs kind of like as a reward to users because they can use that to like get real physical limited edition ledger projects, uh, products. So how does this inform you on building new products and how does it help you interact with your customers uh, differently than, you know, traditional offline products? Is that is it more, uh, you get a better rapport with them? Is it something that you think Web3 and stuff like that makes it more exciting for, for physical products? Yeah, I mean... Uh I think web, so now we can talk about web three because, you know, NFTs, you know, it's like, it's, it's more in the uh, web three realm. Um, but we believe, you know, NFTs is and, and will be sort of the next form of uh, CRM uh, for brands. Okay. Great. Um, I mean, we think that, but Starbucks think that uh, American airlines think that like, you know, big, big companies actually moving, uh, yeah. to, to the NFT because it has like so many properties that are very interesting to them. Actually, recently, you know, I, I didn't really understand at the beginning, like, you know, why Starbucks would move into this until I understood that their loyalty program was actually a, a, a financial liability uh, on their balance sheet. Uh, oh. And so, yeah. Mm. So, so, you know, if you have like 32 billion of uh, dollars worth of loyalty programs, you have yeah. to keep on your balance sheet, like, you know, billions to actually uh, 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 cater for that liability. And so, uh, and so, so they become very liquid and, you know, they, they don't know where are the points. You know. And so right. uh, Web3 fixes this. Um, and again, you know, when, when a big company like Starbucks is going there, they're, they're not going there a little, like, you know, they're actually moving there fast. Uh, it, it is for those kind of reasons, you know, it's just easier to use and it changes the way that you interact with your users. Like, you know, you empower them. Uh, and so therefore, uh, they, they, they're free uh, and they, can, they become uh, more loyal to you. And I think this is what we're trying to do also at Ledger. We have uh, this big CRM program and you've listed some of the products that are in there. We, we're thinking about more products going forward. And uh, this is something that is not going away for us. Like, you know, this is the next gen of CRM programs. Okay, awesome. That's a good point. And remember that NFTs are the new CRM. It's amazing. Yeah, I've joined the Starbucks Odyssey program. And I like how they've done it. They don't call it NFTs. There's a lot of education about Starbucks and its coffee to get more points and things like that. So I feel like 
they really, yeah, they definitely dived into it. And I think that. But, uh, but you know, it. they're right. They shouldn't call it NFTs. Like NFT is the name of the tech. Like nobody cares. Uh, the, the usage is what's important here. Like what do yep. you do with it and how does it work, etc. But they're right. Like it's like, uh, uh, you know, like website or, you know, their names are just for, for the technology. The, the, like when we talk about NFT for art, for example, you see NFT, you use it for art, you use it for serum points, etc. Right. But what it is, is it's art. <laughs> it's serum point and then the underlying technology to transfer and to present etc might be nft but you know, but but first and foremost it's it's art and uh, and loyalty points yeah right great okay i'm gonna the one last question before we get bring on the startups to ask you some questions directly recently you released a new service called ledger recover which you know for me i thought it was a great idea and a non-cryptive native user will allow you to um store encrypted backups uh which i think is an like that uh, seed phrase those 24 words you know it's like uh, something that's a big wall for a lot of people right um but obviously the com- crypto community was not very happy and so there's a whole thing that you guys did you had twitter spaces you brought all the executives on i'm not going to dive into that but i want to know a little bit about how you as a company you as a ceo how do you react you know the the reaction to this is so different in Web3, right? You can't just call a press conference and go on TV and talk and tell everybody what's going on, but you can just turn on your phone and everybody can come in and listen to you. The media is there as well. You know, what kind of lessons did you learn that you could maybe partake to startups that are maybe come under like this kind of immense controversy so quickly and able to diffuse it quickly as well? Well, I think crypto is very special. Uh, you know, I've been in many, many businesses before, like this never, I mean, you know, I, I can't recall any business where you have like, you know, reactions that are so uh, emotional, violent, etc. I think, you know, it's crypto, uh, it's ledger, uh, and the combination of the two is a very powerful mix. Um, but it's very normal because people are very worried, you know, so we have a responsibility in terms of communication. And there was a fuck up in terms of our communication because someone pressed a button, we published notes for the release of an operating system where we didn't even present the product to the community yet. And so, you know, people were taken by surprise and, 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 and nobody likes to those kind of surprises. Uh, and so of course, you know, if you're surprised and then there is no, you know, uh, no FAQ, n- nowhere to, to see the product, then you start to, to wonder, okay, well, what's going on and you know, what, what, what's wrong here. Um, and so what, what we had to do with the team is to, to work very, very quickly to present the facts and, uh, and, and sort of move on. And this is what we've done. And we think, you know, we, we, we monitoring all of this and we think we're going in the right direction. Uh, it's probably there was a, a big discussion that was necessary in the space. And again, to, to the point about like, you know, where we were and where we're going, I think, you know, um, people that were very early in this game have a conception of what crypto is and, and, and other people like you say, well, but uh, you know, the 24 words, like, you know, that's, that's not for me. And, and actually, so we hear, we have two ears and on the one side we, we, we have, you know, one set of uh, feedback and on the other side, we have another set of feedback. And of course the people that are on one side, they're like, nobody wants that product. Like, you know, like you don't exist, like, you know, Casey and this problem with yeah. the 24 words is not a real problem. And actually yeah. the other, the other people are like, well, but I will never use your product if I have to handle my 24 words. So this is what I was saying in terms of, you know, trying to go from, from where we are. And so this is why, like, you know, for the, for, for the hardcore developers of the space, like we need to have like a great developer platform, great tools, et cetera, so they can help us build this as much as open source as possible, uh, et cetera. But also, you know, everybody needs to understand that if this uh, uh, crypto phenomenon is going anywhere, it's because it's becoming mass market. And it's only mass market if you're in self-custody. 
If you tell me the tomorrow crypto mass market is that everything is still on exchanges, like, you know, it almost is today. Uh, okay, but then it's a lost bet. You know, it's similar to what happened to the web, which was very decentralized at the beginning and yeah. ended up uh, very centralized with four companies. I mean, you know, that's not the future I want. But Web3, yeah. I think if, if Web3 goes there, then Web3 would have failed. Uh, and, um, and, uh, and so we're trying to make sure that it doesn't go there. Yeah, I think that's, that's good. Okay, what we're going to do now is we're going to bring on the startups. So, but let, while we do that, let's, let's roll another video for Collision. Whoa, look at all these people. It's like the Brady Bunch. Um, okay, so quickly, uh, final attendee tickets for Collision 2023. If you haven't secured your spot, this is your last chance to do so. 40,000 attendees this year, 2,000 startups, speakers like Pascal, the godfather of AI, Jeffrey Hinton, CEOs from Animoca Brands, Tezos, Layer Zero Labs, Shibuya, Near Protocol, and more. That's the 26th to the 29th in June in Toronto. Okay, so let's get to some startups. So these are some of the startups that are exhibiting at Collision. They're in the Web3 space, and we thought we'd bring them up and have a little couple of questions for you directly. Let's start with Lane, who is the founder of Enval, and he's part of the Alpha program this year at Collision. Lane, what would you like to ask, Pascal? Hi, Pascal. Thanks for taking the time. Um, we'd love to know your thoughts on how privacy L1 and L2 technologies play out, uh, given that there seems to be this balancing of like view keys and trustless privacy policies and that kind of thing baked into that. Um, how do you see that factoring in, I guess, to your world and really just playing out at large? Wow, uh, man, that's a, that, that's a great question. And, you know, I think is the next, this will be the next uphill battle. Um, you know, I, crypto is anonymous or oh, Bitcoin is anonymous, but traceable. So you can actually, you have a public ledger. I mean, the principle is that you have a public ledger and you can see that the coin went from A to B to C, et cetera, and you can sort of follow them forever. But it's not been designed for uh, exactly pure privacy. I mean, you know, if you enter from from an exchange, you KYC yourself, you present your identity, you buy your first Bitcoin, and then you you, you send that Bitcoin to the blockchain and you can you can move it as much as you want. You know, we will always be able to I mean, we, someone will always be able to trace that transaction back to the exchange, uh, find, find out about your identity, et cetera. Which for, by the way, 99% of people in, 99% uh, people in France is not a problem. Like, you know, people have no problem uh, associating their identity with their money. This is what you do every day when you pay with your credit card. And so, you know, uh, such is life. But uh, the ethos of crypto uh, was always around privacy. And so, uh, I think uh, there were some attempts in the past, Zcash, Monero, etc., to 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 have real privacy coins where you know you you can't really see the, anything, the transactions. You can't really trace that back to sort of anyone. Um, but uh, there are more and more technologies that are coming out in the market now, and more and more companies that are trying to you know sort of fix that problem and uh, and 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 protect uh, privacy. Uh, uh, sort of above uh, everything else. And I think that's, uh, I, I think this is very important, but uh, but it's going to be the next, you know, five to 10 years. And these technologies are very hard. Like, you know, they, it's it's not very easy to, to build this at scale. There are many teams that are trying now. And so we'll see, this will be unraveled in five, 10 years. And also, 
uh, it would be a, an interesting conversation with the regulator and you know with with legislation. It's like you know, uh, do we accept in our societies that now suddenly you can transact with full privacy uh, uh, with your cash or with your digital money or uh, governments are starting, you know, most of our governments are saying like, you know, they pretty much want to know what we're doing with our money. Like, you know, they absolutely want to know. Uh, I think in Europe it's like any, any transaction above 400 euros, I think, you know, you need to have your ID linked to it or you cannot pay in cash. Like, you know, something like that. It's Christine Lagarde who said this the other day. I can't remember exactly what she quoted, but it was a very low number and uh, the numbers keep on getting lower, you know? Uh, and so, uh, it's not just a technology issue. I think it's a, it's a society issue. It's like, what, what do we want for a society? And, you know, do we want to sacrifice everything for the greater good? Because there is always a greater good. Uh, and, and what about freedom, et cetera? So it would be fascinating. And, uh, uh, and, and certainly uh, Ledger would be part of that discussion. Yeah. Great. Lane, Lane is from Victoria, British Columbia. So that's great for us coast. We're going to go to Charles now, who's a file, founder of FileSwan, missing the E, like a good Web3 startup. He's a part of the growth program at this year's Collision, and he's based in Montreal. Charles, what question do you have for Pascal? Are you going to ask it in French as well? Hey, bonjour, Pascal. Bonjour, Charles. Yeah. So, yes, um, exciting talking with you. Like, um, you know, so first one is doing, uh, what we are doing now is building uh, cross-chain cloud computing solutions. So developers can access diversity resource across multi-chain using single token. So which means that we have to do in the tokens to have everything from for developers. So I noticed that in Ledger, that's a popular solution doing swap, right? You can swap different tokens on Ledger Live. So, but there's also one security concern that's very popular now, like people is asking like, uh, not just the, uh, uh, asking us as well, like uh, how you can protect users uh, token safety, because there are lots of swap exchanges, they have issues, and then they have some some some, some token stolen or some hikers event. So I want to know, like, in Ledger or Ledger Live, how we protect users from that? From the fact that when they swap with an exchange, they could lose their coins? That's the question? Yeah. Another, another thing, when behind the scene, right, those lots of swap exchanges, they're using some MPC or some other way, uh, their code wallet gets stolen or some hot wallet gets stolen. So I say like Ledger has provided this function, where Ledger have some similar issue behind the scene. The ah, side. okay, okay, I, I get the question. So when we, uh, so when you look, so when you have your Ledger, uh, this you connect it to your Ledger Live, and Ledger Live again is like what iTunes was for iPod. Ledger Live is the uh, iTunes of the uh, of the of the Ledger Nano. So when you go on Ledger Live, you, you can do your transaction, you can send, receive, and there are functionalities where you can buy, sell, swap, stake, and all those good things that you want to do with your coins, and you know, more and more because we have an app store where developers can code an app and you know, publish it into, into the app store. We do the security review, and then you can, uh, users can actually go through the app store and use the different kind of services that are offered to them, and there are you know, a large range of services that they can use. But the most popular service uh, right now is the swap service. We don't provide the swap service. The swap service, most of what Ledger does is sort of powered by, like, you know, it's, it's really like an iPhone. Uh, uh, you, you know, Apple gives you, Apple now gives you some services like Apple Music, et cetera. But if you think about most of the apps that are on your phone, they are provided by, you know, third parties. 
Apple, mm. the App Store actually has 20 million developers uh, working on the App Store. We have close to 8,000 developers working on our uh, App Store. So, you know, it's, uh, it's great for crypto, but it's, as you can see in comparison to Apple, we're still far, far from, you know, the kind of numbers that are uh, Web2 numbers. But it's bizarre as it may, when you use the swap function, what you actually are using, and, you know, it's very transparent, and we, we tell you where we get the quotes from, but it's more of a sky scanner uh, for, uh, for, for swap. So you're going to select... I want to swap uh, Ethereum to Bitcoin, whatever the swap is. And then we will tell you, okay, well, we found those swaps with partner A, partner B, partner C. These are the quotes. And then you select what, are the, what is the best quote for you or the best partner. And then you can do your swap. So that, that's the way it works. And so therefore, uh, what's elegant in this solution is you can actually do the trading from and back to your ledger. You don't need to leave the coin on the exchange at the end of the day. Uh, and you only use the exchange for the exchange exchange function, which is, you know, I should be used to be to be honest. Uh, and so you have a segregation of duty. You do the you do your own custody, and the exchange uh, provides you with the uh, uh, exchange service. And we do this for with CFI and DeFi. So when we you know do the sky scanner of the swap, we will offer to you uh, CFI value propositions, but also DeFi value propositions. That's great. That's great. So basically, like uh, we know, like we all use phones. So, like, Apple have a higher standard of the listing those apps than Android. So, in my perspective, so I think the ledger does the same thing, right? You have to do some secure scan for the developer who listing their apps. Correct. What what Ledger does is we don't publish any app before the our security team had the time to review it and approve it. Okay, that's great. That's great. Thank you. Thank Lane, you. before I go back to you for another question, I'm going to uh, the social feed. There's a question here on LinkedIn from Marie um, for Pascal. Um, new cryptocurrencies and DeFi platforms pop up all the time. So how do you as a CEO and how does Ledger stay in the loop and make sure it works with all these different cryptos and apps? Like, is there a, is there a team that's just devoted to keeping track of everything that's coming up? Or how do you guys keep track of all this stuff? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, look, it's the developer platform that I was talking about. Like, you know, there is no way for us to predict the future. I mean, I try every day, but it's very, very hard. Uh, and so uh, I don't know what's going what's gonna to be the next phenomenon that's going to pop up, uh, what's going to be the next most popular app, etc. So our job is to develop the, the security platform in the operating system and make sure that all the primitives are there. So then we can support, you know, uh, the, the rest of the ecosystem. But 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 then we we propose this. This is the developer platform that we've been talking about. We propose developer tools, so third parties can actually code their own uh, apps on top of our uh, platform, on top of our security platform. So typically, if there is a new uh, exchange, if there is a new you know whatever the use case is, you know we we our job is to make sure that those developers know that they can code on top of Ledger, that they need security. Uh, and then they come to us. And this program is starting to work really, really well. And we, we're seeing some sort of exponential um, um, uh, exponential usage uh, of, of the platform. And more and more apps uh, actually uh, 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 submitted to, uh, to, to our app store to the point uh, that now we have, uh, we, we need to scale the security team to do the security reviews. So, you know, this is, this is, this is where we are. So it's working really well. Very cool. Very cool. Lane, another question? Yeah, you bet. So just to preface this, um, I spent about six years in TradFi, institutional finance, back office, that kind of thing, and, and got a pretty good look at that world. I'm curious, Pascal, kind of 
given the context of enterprise or, or TradFi managing much larger amounts with multiple people in the process and all of that, what kind of trade-offs do you see them employing around self-custody that really balances that their requirements that might, I guess, surprise the, the crypto native crowd? I'm sorry, can you can just repeat the beginning of the question? I'm not sure I got it. Sure. So in the in the enterprise or TradFi context, uh, multiple mm -hmm. people are involved in a single transaction, for example. And oh, yeah, okay. I think some of that might be surprising to kind of how it plays out. I'm wondering what kind of trade-offs you see happening or, or being employed there that would be interesting or surprising to this crowd. So you're talking about the usage of cryptocurrency in the context of like a, uh, like a financial institution or like a group of people that need to access the funds and, and, and do stuff with it, correct? Yeah, actually executing transactions and moving exactly. funds around. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a great question. So, um, uh, so this doesn't work because the problem is this is for, uh, uh, I mean, it doesn't work in, in this case that you described because it doesn't have uh, the governance layer uh, that is necessary for financial institution to run funds uh, with this. Uh, because what you're really talking about, which is actually a big problem for financial has been a big problem for financial institutions for a long time. You know, there was this... Uh, uh, incident with uh, Jérôme Carvier and Société Générale that is exactly about this. It's like, you know, who, who, who was, it, was he allowed to, to spend $5 billion? Yes, no. Who, who gave the okay? So what, what was the chain of sort of custody? And, you know, um, and, and so meaning that, you know, even in the more uh, traditional businesses, sometimes it's, it's very hard to prove chain of custody and, and, to, and, and to segregate roles between sort of administrators of the funds and operators of the funds. So it's actually a problem that we tackled in 2018, and we have a, a division at Ledger that is called Ledger Enterprise, and we, re we redeveloped or developed like a, a security solution uh, with exactly that problem in mind, which is how do you make sure that the governance layer is very secured? Uh, uh, and how do you make sure that we can bring a solution to financial institutions that have all the good things of like sort of account segregation, uh, segregation between uh, roles of administrators and operators, uh, audit trails, uh, you know, whatever uh, financial institution need. And so we've been taking this to market. We are, you know, we are, we are helping. It, it's still self-custody, meaning that it's a piece of technology that we sell to. Uh, it's a it's a SaaS offering. It's in it's in the cloud. We we develop our own sort of cloud infrastructure for this. Uh, and it's a service that is being very, that is very popular right now because the problem that you describe is a real problem. You know, who's got the keys? Who is allowed to do what? Who can press the button? Who can spend what, etc. And so the the governance engine is uh, protected by the security enclave the same way that the private keys are protected by the security enclave, which makes it virtually impossible to misspend the money. Good, great, Charles. Another question. Yeah, so uh, recently, like we see, like uh, later this year, like people are talking more, 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 and more about the uh, AI, deep learning, chat GPT, everything. Like uh, as a web three keep on developing, uh, we saw like this year, lots of developers they are thinking about a joint point with web three and AI. Like do it. Yeah. Do you think this is something like uh, ledger or uh, general speaking as web three should be concerned? Yeah. yeah, good question. But I don't know. Uh, what, what I know is uh, AI is digital abundance uh, and crypto is digital scarcity. Um, so 
whatever happens in the future, uh, these are the two sides of the coin that you absolutely need going forward in the sense that, you know, crypto would be the only way to decipher who is a human versus who is a boat, who is AI, et cetera, et cetera. If you cannot sign, AI won't be able to sign uh, uh, with their two little AI thumbs, you know, <laughs> cryptographically, cryptographically uh, and prove that they're human. So, you know, I, this is why we believe that what we're working on, uh, back to what I was saying before and back to, you know, you know the, 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 the broader market and the broader usage of this, uh, it's, it's really like, you know, to decipher human beings from artificial intelligence and robots uh, going, going, going forward. Like, you know, uh, you know th think, about this, think about it this way. Like, you know, the, the next U.S. elections, presidential ele elections are coming in, what, 18 months now or something like that? Uh, last elections, uh, every election in the U.S., you always have like reasonable doubt that I don't know right. someone cheated. The machine, the machine didn't count. You could send uh, whatever by mail. People voted without IDs. In 30 years or 20 years or 15 years, I don't know, but in some time, you, people will vote with this from uh, not with this, with the newer version of this. But you see what I mean from their couch with their identity into it and say, I vote for you know uh, Joe Biden, who will probably run again in. In 15 years, I think, uh, and so they'll be able to. Uh, and I say this with much love because, you know, I think presidents have a very tough job. So I'm not, I'm not mocking him. I'm just saying that I wish him well. Um, and uh, yeah, so so I think going forward, this is what this is like. This is what these technologies are are used for. I, I don't know if I answer exactly your question, but uh, like uh, like a politician would say, this this is the answer that I wanted to give. That's good. Good answer, actually. Like, it's to bring to another very hot topic recently in Web3, like the digital identity, like how can you represent yourself in Web3? So different people have different answers. Like for us, like we, we think like a decentralized and also wallet, right? So wallet, uh, the private key, like uh, the sign for your identity represents yourself. But there was so many abuse uh, attack like uh, in the system, like you can create uh, any ideas then start using it like for example in different airdrop or other events so it become bigger headache even for ourselves so when you mention like uh, you can only using two fingers to identify yourself that's a good point where religion populate something like a digital identity product in the future for that yeah i mean you know i think the future for us is to make sure that all your secrets are protected by your ledger and so that's your money your uh, online, any online secrets and your identity for sure. So identity is top of mind for us. I just want to add on that too, because I'm, I'm a big fan of Midjourney, the uh, generative AI art platform. And as you know, like the data sets are pulled in from all over different artists and different websites, right? And a lot of artists are up in arms. Hey, you're stealing my art and pulling it in. You know, having those pieces of art, you know, you contribute to a, to a large language database and you're, but you're connecting it to your digital self you're just through a ledger or something like that, where every time someone pulls it in or uses it for a commercial use, you might get paid. I feel like this part of the, the ledger is even, is, might even be the biggest possibility for it, right? But definitely proving yourself that you're human and that this work you've done, if it's just a tweet or a piece of art, that it's being tracked on the blockchain and it's being tightly, you know, followed by, by ledger. That's, that's, I think, amazing. That would be something very cool. I'm sure you're working on that already. That I'm yeah, sure we're working all... on that, but like, look at what Elon is trying to do with Twitter, with the little blue check mark, et cetera. I mean, you know, he's trying to make money, but also he's trying to solve for a fundamental issue, with, which is you don't know who you're talking to on Twitter. Right. 
And so when, well, soon enough, actually, that's not science fiction. That's going to be in the next few months. Few months can be six, can be nine. Like, you know, don't hold me on this. But, like, you'll be able to uh, log on to your Twitter with your, with your ledger and, you know, and, and prove cryptographically that you are the owner of the Twitter account and vice versa, that the Twitter account is owned by, by human. Yeah, exactly. All right, I think we're going to leave it there. Thank you so much, Pascal. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you to listeners. Thank you to our startups. We'll see you in the next episode at the Next Stage Live, which we're going to do another one. Uh, we're going to have People Pleaser on on the next one. She has a Web3 company called Shibuya, and she's pretty amazing. Uh, so just follow the co Collision social medias to find out the next episode. One last thing, uh, of course, uh, the GA tickets for Collision 2023. If you haven't got yours, please get them again. It's the 26th to the 29th of June. We're also increasing prices for Web Summit in Lisbon. That is happening November 13th to the 16th in Portugal. WebSummit.com is all about that. I hope Pascal will be at that as well. And also, I don't know if I mentioned this, but we're doing Web Summit Qatar in 2024. Yes, that's crazy. Stay tuned for that. I think that will be in a very exciting event. Thank you everybody for being here tonight or this morning, tonight, wherever you are in the world, and we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot.